Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up Rockabilly track. Now installing crime solving AI. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, this week's podcast, we got reviews for Glass Onion and The Witcher Blood Origins. Plus, we're discussing AEW's New Year's Smash. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. Alright, up first we got some big rumors for the upcoming Star Wars Ahsoka series. Star Wars Scoopers, the Bespin Bulletin, claimed this week to have gotten word on the official role for Mary Elizabeth Weinstead in the Ahsoka series. With filming wrapped up, it seems Weinstead uh, could be our live-action Hera Syndulla from the Star Wars Rebels series. Um, fans were able to see Hera from behind in a teaser at Star Wars Celebration, but it was never confirmed who was actually taking up the role. On top of that, there were also rumors that may actually have some heavy spoilers here for the Ahsoka series, so, you know, that's your additional warning but making star wars release a story about two potential antagonists for the series featuring a fallen jedi and their assassin apprentice the character named balon is reportedly set to be played by ray stevenson from punisher warzone balon is said to be a jedi that survived order 66 but after escaping to you know the new beyond they slowly become corrupted by the dark side balon is said to have a dark side apprentice at hand as well named shin who may be a night sister played by Ivana Sokno from Pacific Rim Uprising. Like most young Sith, Shin is desperate to prove herself to her master and will be sent out on an order by Balon and Thrawn to hunt down Ahsoka. Ahsoka is set to premiere this upcoming year. So if all this is true, I mean, the series sounds pretty incredible so far. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead will make an awesome hero, so that's great casting. Absolutely. Um, but like, if all these rumors are true and we might see a Night Sister, and it's not Ventress, I'm going to be pretty fucking annoyed. <laughs> like, I know technically I believe she's dead in canon right now. Um, like, she, But, like, she died off screen in some book. And we know that if it doesn't happen on the screen, like, with Star Wars, it doesn't really count. I mean, even with, like, you know, all the books released after, you know, Disney took over, they play, like, really fast and loose with the continuity. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, there's so many different ways you could bring her back or just ignore the story in general, which we've seen them do in the past. I mean, there's always a workaround. It's not like anyone's going to complain. I mean, they brought back Maul for crying out loud. Exactly. <laughs> he survived that fall being cut in half and got robot legs. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are other rumors that the series is going to be taking place throughout various points in Ahsoka's timeline. Um hmm and that there are going to be multiple moments with Vader involved. And we heard rumors a while back, and I think it was actually confirmed that Hayden Christensen is going to be part of the series. So mm -hmm. all that makes sense, especially if the series like jumping off point is like, you know, after we see her in the Mandalorian. So there's going to have to be like flashbacks involved. 
so I don't know. All that's to say is I'm, I am kind of holding out hope that maybe we get to see a live action Ventress fight. Like, because you could do flashback scenes like involving her if you wanted to. Exactly. I think that's entirely possible to see at least like a duel between the two of them in the past or something. Yeah, I mean, she's such a great character. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I mean, give us a fucking Ventress series. You know, for, for that matter, because we really don't get much closure with Clone Wars. And I know, you know, once again, I believe, you know, she meets her, you know, final resting place in, you know, the books. But come on, <laughs> that's no way for such an awesome character to go out. I love that I saw this, you know, story as an opportunity to, you know, campaign for Ventress. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Well, moving on. Uh Here's a story no one wanted. Uh, Eternals 2 is reportedly in the works. Looks like Eternal star Don Lee, who played Gilgamesh and his management team, leaked the fact that Eternals 2 is in the works after listing the, you know, the film in his upcoming projects. This also comes after Patton Oswalt's statements on the Today Show claiming a sequel was in production with Chloe Zhao on to direct. So there's most likely going to be a sequel. However, there's still no official statement from Marvel, especially right now with you know everything up in the air with how things are going to be with the current slate. No one was asking for this. <laughs> and I thought, like you said, like they're supposed to be trimming the fat. So, like, I don't know if that's true. Like, what the hell's the shit? Like, <laughs> listen, it makes you like, wonder if there's like a big plan for the Eternals with other Marvel. I characters. mean, they they definitely set that up in the mm. film, which I I get. But like after watching it, Jesus. Um, <laughs> listen, like if anything, like bring it back as maybe like. Uh, a one-off special or a miniseries. Like, I think the biggest problem I had with that film was it felt like you were jumping into, like, season five of an ongoing series. Um, And even with its, like, bloated runtime, there was just too much story for one film. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the film had plenty of other issues, but I think that was really the main one. Like you, you didn't really get to know the characters enough and really like connect with them um, for, you know, any of the events in the film to actually matter. Um, and yes, there's a lot of like unanswered questions, but I feel like you could probably answer those questions elsewhere in other films if you really wanted to, or just pretend the movie didn't happen at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, another Inhumans, you know, story, pretty much. Exactly. Um, And I think part of my problem is, like, in the comics, I've never been a huge fan of Marvel's, like, cosmic stories. Um, I've always enjoyed more of those, like, grounded characters in general. I just have a hard time relating to fucking space gods, right? Uh (laughs) And I'm also concerned because recently in the comic books, they've tied the origins of mutants to the deviants. So I just have a funny feeling that we're going to see that on screen also, uh, which I'm definitely not a fan of. It seems like they try to get out in front of what is going to happen in the cinematic universe. So I don't know, man. Not I can't fan. imagine them picking that up I, I, you know, after the reception of the first film. I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope I hope you're right. 
Alright, moving on, DC Studio CEO James Gunn has knocked down another rumor, this time regarding the Green Lantern series. James Gunn again slayed some DC rumors this week as industry insider Daniel RPK, who has a credible track record, stated the Green Lantern series was getting axed and perhaps becoming a film. Gunn would take to Twitter and boldly claim that this was fake news, but didn't clarify any further than that. So I love that he continues to get out in front of shit like this. Um, in a Green Lantern series, especially one that focuses on Jon Stewart, if the rumors are true, is probably one of the upcoming things I'm most excited about, you know, for DC. Um, you know, because of, you know, the Justice League animated series, John has always been my Green Lantern, so I'm glad that, you know, hopefully he's going to get his just due with his debut in live action form. There are also rumors floating around that Gunn could actually be using like the Justice League animated series as a template for his new DC universe. And of course, that's only a rumor. But you know what? Gunn hasn't shot it down yet. So uh -huh. <laughs> maybe there's right. a grain of truth to it. Um, <laughs> I mean, and I don't know what that means. Um, but I mean, I believe we actually talked about how we thought, um, you know, the Justice League animated series would be a perfect tone uh, for the films. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hope that's true, but I mean, it's just a rumor. At this I point. mean, even the original story though, I didn't really have too much of an issue with them switching from a series to a movie in that regard, if they wanted to do something like that. Like, I, I feel like Jon Stewart's a big enough story, uh, to tell on the big screen. You know, my only worry is, and, and I agree 100% with you, but my only worry is that they do a series that they're not going to have the budget to do it right. Because we mm -hmm. know that, like, Warner Brothers Discovery has been cutting costs big time when it comes to their series. So, like, if you can't go big, then just don't do it. Because that's what the, you know, a Green Lantern series is really going to demand. You know, yes. it, it needs to have a huge budget because you're talking about a space odyssey, you know, especially if you're setting things around the Green Lantern Corps. So it's going to demand a huge budget. Um, and this is supposed to be the J.J. Abrams production, right? So honestly, like if you're not going to truly invest in this, then just don't do it. I would almost rather have them wait to like DC has like, you know, right of the course and, you know, they've got a few projects underneath their belt and mm. they're making money again before they like bite off more than they can chew. But who knows? Maybe they're willing, you know, to, you know, put the money into it. Then fine. That Batman check can only go so far, you know? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's why they're stretching it with multiple Batman spinoff series. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which are according to the rumors, all still in the works. Anyway, uh, lastly, it looks like we've got a Stranger Things anime spinoff series in development. As reported by What's on Netflix, an anime series is apparently in the works for the STCU, as Sean Levy calls it. Um, the series is called Stranger Things Tokyo and will follow two video game loving twin boys living on the outskirts of 1980s Tokyo that you know gets sucked into the upside down. The series is said to be a six hour production, though no word on you know what studio could be you know behind the animation. But with Sean Levy you know claiming he's building a cinematic universe for the Stranger Things. In recent interviews, this is but a taste of the spin-offs to come from this property. Well, Christian, I know the story is light on details, but what anime studio would you like to see behind the series? Um, at this point, 
I just want everything to be made by Mappa. Uh, they're doing such a great job with their stuff and they have um, shows that are kind of, I would say, dabble in that dark side of things uh, that I feel like uh, would work for Stranger Things right now. So I, I would definitely say Mappa. All right, well, fingers crossed. And now for the amazing nerd show's review of Glass Onion. Warning minor spoilers ahead. And now, our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? Famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc travels to Greece for his latest case. This was directed and written by Ryan Johnson and stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, and Janelle Monet. So, with Glass Onion, Ryan Johnson delivers everything you could possibly want from a follow-up film to his highly entertaining Knives Out. I mean, with this sequel, we get another amazing ensemble cast armed with a sharp-witted dialogue in a beautifully shot, lavish setting with plenty of poignant commentary about the upper class. And of course, it's all anchored by Daniel Craig's charming performance as Detective Benoit Blanc. In the film, Blanc is invited to a murder mystery party at a group of friends' annual reunion, held by eccentric billionaire Miles Braun on his private island. When one of the guests actually turns up dead, Blanc is on the case, peeling back the layers of the mystery of the Glass Onion. Just like its predecessor, Glass Onion is a fun ride, but where I think it actually ends up surpassing the original is with the core whodunit story itself. I mean, one of my main criticisms of Knives Out is the mystery always felt like an afterthought, with the case pretty much being solved in the second act. The focus was much more on the individual character stories, which is fine, especially with such an amazing cast, but part of what I love about the genre is the different twists and turns that you never see coming. Well, I'm happy to say that even though Johnson subverts the typical murder mystery formula once again, there are plenty of moments that will keep you guessing. Without spoiling anything about halfway through Glass Onion, it almost completely reinvents itself, making the second half of this movie feel much more unpredictable compared to the original. I mean, don't get me wrong, the film is still more about lampooning high society, this time taking on the nouveau riche, but it leans a little more into the whodunit element, which I love and something I thought was really missing with Knives Out. Uh, quickly, I'd also be remiss not to mention Janelle Monae's performance. She really manages to steal the show, which is pretty impressive considering the all-star cast she's surrounded by. Also, Dave Batista is another highlight of the movie. He just owns every scene he's in and at this point has more than proven himself as an actor. Oh, uh, with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give Glass Onion a B plus. This has become one of the better franchises going, and I'm really excited to see what Johnson has in store for The Good Detective next. As Damon mentioned, this film, you know, flips the script in its second half, and I was really scared that they were going to, you know, do pretty much the same thing that we got in the first film and give away the mystery way too soon. 
but when it didn't do that, it really solidified itself as better than the first one for me, as that was kind of my largest complaint about Knives Out. Yes, it still has all the charm of the first film, but it's the mystery elements that really hooked me more into this one than it had with you know Knives Out. And overall, I think that's what makes for a more enjoyable film series, especially something that's following you know the greatest detective ever. And speaking of which, it still surprises me to see Daniel Craig pull off Benoit Blanc's like accent. And honestly, I feel like he's giving an even better performance here than what we've seen him do in like the Bond films, which are arguably some of the more character driven Bond films of 007's history. Um, Johnson on a technical standpoint always delivers. It's one of my favorite parts about watching a Ryan Johnson joint as they're always so vibrant and filled with great cinematography overall. Though I will say this felt a little bit, you know, less extravagant as some of his previous films, but it still was a gorgeous one to look at. And it definitely had me kicking myself that I didn't see it in theaters when I could. With a great cast, fun mystery, and decent cinematography, I have to give it you know a higher score than I did um, Knives Out, so I'm going to be giving Glass Onion an A- minus with hopes to see a whole lot more adventures come from this great detective. Warning spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for The Witcher. Blood Origins ahead. You have been warned. I've taken control of the entire continent. Faced with chaos, the people will always choose order. No matter the cost. Seven warriors, outcasts, strangers to each other, bound together to fight an unstoppable empire. This is the future under the empire. We need to rise up. What is that thing? My beast has done well. Boy, it's a good time to be a fantasy fan after several big shows this year. And as a fan of both The Witcher and fantasy as a whole, I was excited to try out this miniseries spinoff of the Netflix series. Like most of what we have gotten from the Netflix Witcher, this little story has me going a little bit back and forth as there's a lot I enjoyed, but many aspects that hold it back from being something that I'd outright recommend to anyone else. In Blood Origins, we see the origins of a great tale being told to the you know, series favorite Jeskier in the present timeline who's being tasked by an unknown being to spread it. Um, over the course of the you know four episodes we meet several warriors of the elven clans from Sintra. Um, Fjall of Dog Clan as played by Lawrence Ophurion and uh, the Lark Ellie as played by Sophia Brown are our two main protagonists who set out to kill the new empress after their clans are wiped out by her. On their journey, they bring along and inspire new companions who want to take on the empress and her court. Overall, it's a simple premise that attempts to you know, really explain the Witcher universe in its own way outside of the Witcher source material, which is one of the show's biggest flaws. While this is named after the Witcher, it really just only felt like the Witcher in spirit, as it just doesn't seem to want to follow anything that's written or even shown in the games for that matter. And while it wasn't a bad premise, this story's end felt incredibly unearned and forced with a lot of missing character development. But in many ways, you could argue the show was designed to play like a poem or song rather than a deep dive into story but 
at the same time, I feel like that could just be a cop out. You know, with a bit more time to flesh things out, perhaps they could have actually put together something great here, as a lot of these characters had great performances behind them. Sophia Brown in particular did a fantastic job as a lark, and Michelle Yeoh was just a badass as always, but you really got only a glimpse into these characters beyond their, you know, introductions. That while captivating aren't enough to really drive us to the massive conclusion of the story's arc. Villain-wise, the show is also very lacking. The Empress left a a lot to be desired in her performance and her mage Baylor intrigued me but our time with him was you know very short and cut off at a point where I thought it was just getting good as well on the more technical side the CGI felt a little bit you know below what we've seen in the series so far especially with its bigger monster and maybe it's you know just a situation where I didn't like the overall design of it but it's weird because the smaller creatures that we find in this show actually looked a little bit more imposing and a little bit more well put together than you know the actual big monster in the series' later chapters. But action sequences are, you know, one of this series' strong suits, and there's plenty of great you know, fight choreography in this as well. We've seen that in just about every season of The Witcher that has come out so far. But flashy action just isn't enough to make something good nowadays. It comes down to your story, and it is quite a shame that the Witcher series seems to continue to stray further and further from its source material as the performances have been great in each show. At times, it's made me wish that the show was called something else or said to be loosely inspired by the Witcher rather than being a straight Witcher series, because I do genuinely find myself having you know a good time while watching each new thing. But as far as being an adaptation, I could see this really alienating Witcher fans by its lack of accuracy, and to really hone in on this story alone, while there's a lot of good moments, the overall plot did not match up well with its own ending that explains the entirety of the Witcher universe. For my grade, I will be giving it a C. You know, I really think this show comes down to if you've been enjoying the rest of it or not. Uh, because if you haven't been, I can't imagine this really appealing to anyone who you know has been on the fence so far about The Witcher on Netflix altogether. So Netflix Witcher fans, check it out. Otherwise, don't. <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high oh, and tight. Yeah. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology. 
No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. In the gaming world today, Microsoft continues to fight the FTC's lawsuit against them over the purchase of Activision Blizzard. Uh, this has put a lot of recent activity for you know two of the biggest names in gaming, Xbox and PlayStation, into question. As Microsoft argues points about PlayStation's own exclusivity over third-party companies rather than just their in-house studios. One comment that Microsoft made that caught a lot of Silent Hill fans' eyes was that PlayStation may actually have full exclusivity over the Silent Silent Hill 2 remake that was announced this past month. In that trailer, it ends with the game simply saying, you know, play first on PlayStation, which usually means there's just a time to release window until, you know, PC and Xbox players can actually pick it up. But these new comments from Microsoft may say otherwise. It seems that PlayStation and Sony are just making most of their, you know, third party deals have exclusion, you know, clauses from allowing them to sell on Xbox. Well, you know, business-wise, this makes sense for PlayStation to even try to attempt this. For me, it's still a tad bit frustrating when I see third-party studios limiting their games to just one platform or the other. But hey, that's the name of the game these days, which is why Xbox is even bringing it up, as their purchase of Activision shouldn't have set off, you know, this many alarms for the FTC. But that's just a personal opinion of mine. The purchase of Activision Blizzard seems to be all but final, but we will keep an eye on, like, any other major developments in the future. Silent Hill 2's remake is also a game I'm going to be paying very close attention to over the next year as development continues. But altogether, with games becoming more and more exclusive and, and prices for games going up, it's becoming more expensive to be a gamer. At the same time, 2023 should be a big year for releases, so get those wallets ready, folks. Um, if you're ever interested in getting my thoughts on a new release, stop by our Twitch channel to catch me playing some of my most anticipated games of the upcoming year, as we do go live every single weekend. Big new things are definitely coming in this upcoming year that I'm currently working on, and I can't wait to share with all of you guys but for now that's enough gaming let's move on to wrestling you're the worst jeffrey says dahmer feeling upwards is just your way of life and you stealing money like it's kurt angle's wife r-a-s-s-l-e wrestler couldn't draw a dime in my time you a bastard all right, Damon, it's almost the new year, and AEW did their New Year smash this week. Uh, starting off the show, we had Brian Danielson defeating Ethan Page. Uh, I thought this was a hell of a way to start the show. Uh, Ethan Page has really leveled up the second half of this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a great match between, you know, Brian and Page. Um, I thought they had great chemistry. Um, you know, not that 
Brian has had lackluster matches recently. Um, I, I feel like he almost just hasn't had enough matches. So it was just good to like see like Brian put on another like, you know, five star ex- exhibition, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he really ended up showcasing Paige to, you know, once again, you know, really, you know, show that he's, you know, an upper echelon wrestler that really hasn't just been getting a chance to shine on AEW TV. And hopefully that's changing now. Uh, but overall, I mean, this this whole like dynamite was one of the best of the year, I think. Um, it was a great way to kind of like end the year right. Um, fantastic crowd and just a great pace of the show. Um, you know, just match after match. They really focused on like in-ring action uh, this week. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the show was better for it. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping for Ethan Page. He gets strapped up with at least a mid-card title, you know, going you into know, next it, year. You know, when he first joined the firm, he talked about the Mid-Atlantic title and then nothing mm. ever came of it. I thought he was going to be entering a feud with Orange Cassidy because you remember he started to kind of like, you know, cut promos about, you know, gimmick wrestlers. Um, yeah. he, he even had that match with Danhausen and then you know, they just kind of dropped it for some reason. So maybe, you know, after, you know, this match, we'll see him, you know, get back on track with that program and, you know, perhaps go after Orange Cassidy. So, um, but no, I agree. Cause he, I, I, I feel like in 2023, we're definitely going to have some kind of title reign for Paige. Um, you know, just the way that uh, Tony Khan has been, really focusing on him of late so Mm -hmm. um are you buying that there's no connection between the firm and mjf still no i I don't know why they're even still playing at that (laughs) i agree and the the fact that like page was upset about mjf being there feels almost like heavy-handed um i'm Uh glad that you know mjf being in the box seat though didn't take away from the match because i was worried about that at first you know when i saw him up there but that wasn't the case here i I feel like they did a better job of like not cutting away to him um too often because you remember the few times that he's done in the past like it's been a huge distraction also i have to give a lot of praise to stokely um you know him with page is is a great pairing um, and we didn't get to talk about it, but like his promo, his back and forth with uh, <laughs> Brian last week was a real uh-huh. fucking highlight for me. The fact, what did he call him? A raggedy bitch? A raggedy yes. bitch. <laughs> Very nonchalantly just, it was a res- Oh, because Brian was talking about the glare from his head and just his response, uh-huh. how like upset he was with Brian, just you raggedy bitch. And then he said it again and the crowd popped huge for it and so did I at home. I just I thought it was great. I mean, Stokely is really earning his money. Um, just a great signing by Tony. So obviously we're headed towards MJF versus Brian. Where do you think this is going to take place? Because I feel like, you know, Revolution, it's too far away. There's got to be like a TV match of some sort in between, you know, you know, now and the pay-per-view. Like, I, I can't yes. foresee them stretching this like three months. It's got to be within the next couple of weeks. I have to imagine. I I thought it was going to be on the January fourth show, yeah. but I, I'm guessing it's something. Yeah, else. especially because they're in Seattle, right? And that's their debut mm-hmm. in Seattle. Brian will be there. 
Um, but instead, they have him going up against Tony Nese. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> Tony Nese? <laughs> Who let him out of uh, dark? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing against Nice. He's a great wrestler. And I could totally see like that being an opponent like handpicked by Brian also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, like, don't let the wrestlers run your company, Tony, because that's just, I don't know. To me, that's not a ratings grabber, and I don't think that's going to be a a crowd pleaser, you know, for Seattle. Like, they want to see a big... It's going to be a huge pop. It's going to be a big pop, but, like, they want to see a big-time match, you know, especially Mm -hmm. with it being their debut in Seattle, and it's, you know, their hometown hero. Like, put them, like, up against someone bigger. Like, have them go up against another member of the firm or something. At least something that really ties into the storyline with MJF. I guess you've got, like, the Mark Sterling connection, but... I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch. I'm just trying to think what else other than like Soraya's guest partner and Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks is actually going to be on that show. Yeah. For the Seattle show, I, it's Jericho versus Starks. And then I, I, I think it's announced on Rampage this week. Spoilers uh, that Darby will be facing against Joe since Darby's from oh, Seattle. Okay. So and I'm sure Swerve probably will also get a match since he's also from Seattle. So, um, yeah, all the Seattle talent will definitely be featured, but yeah, <laughs> it, it feels like they're more focused on the California show, um, so, okay. which is Makes the following sense. week. I, and also, I mean, you got to figure some of their talent is going to be uh, at Wrestle Kingdom that night. So mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of working shorthanded, although I mean, the roster's so bloated. <laughs> I'm sure no one will even notice. Miro comeback? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it. You heard about all the Miro stuff, right? Yeah. He seems done. <laughs> well, he's under contract for years. So, um, uh, but he, I guess he turned down a, a match or a program that he didn't want to work. So then Tony just kind of like, okay, we'll sit at home. But I don't know. I mean, I, I just can't imagine Miro say no to like, a program just because like he might end mm-hmm. up like doing the honors but i don't know maybe there's something more to the story i mean especially after what being th- the best man yes or <laughs> i mean gimmick. the fucking horrid <laughs> lana storyline that he did with Bobby uh-huh. lashley at the end of his wwe oh, God. run i mean the dude obviously doesn't say no to much so <laughs> it, he just doesn't seem like the prima donna type uh, but mm-hmm. who knows? I, I'd be interested to see exactly what that storyline entailed. You know, that like con pitched him. After the match, we got a quick video package about the main event of uh, the TNT title match between Samoa Joe and Wardlow, in which we got reactions from Wardlow when he was getting interviewed by Renee. And unfortunately, that interview ended abruptly when Samoa Joe attacked with a steel pipe. Yeah, I was curious to see exactly how all this played out. I thought maybe uh, this was a way to stall from actually having the match. Um, mm-hmm. you know, stretch things out to perhaps the pay-per-view, which, you know, they kind of did, even though they ended up having the match. Uh, but yeah, no, I was like, okay, well, are they going to do like a substitute for, you know, Wardlow here? I was like, I don't know. I was thinking like, oh, maybe Hobbs will, you know, get a, you know, title match since we haven't seen him in a while. And they, I feel like they're like, I don't know, building him up again with all the promo packages they've been doing and everything like that. Um, but that wasn't the case. They were just working an injury angle to get some sympathy for Wardlow, which I, I, you know, we'll talk about later. I thought, well, worked out really well. 
After the commercial break, Renee was also backstage to talk with the doctors with Hangman who might be cleared in a couple weeks. He just has to stop getting into all these brawls with her husband, Moxley. Yeah, that's pretty much the story of Rampage right now is Hangman shows up and uh-huh. then him and Moxley brawl for five minutes. Uh, I liked uh, <laughs> Hangman's response to seeing Renee like, of course, you'd want to know, and, like jumped up again. Her face. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, being like the millennial cowboy that he is, he apologizes right away. It sits uh-huh. back down, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really excited for this match. I, th- I feel like they've done a great job of building it up, and it should be a banger when it happens. After that, we had a tag team match between the Blackpool Combat Club and Top Flight. Moxley and Claudio getting the win. I think this has been a really good like TV feud, um, a feud that I didn't see coming, and I think it's gone a long way of putting like Top Flight like back on the map as a team. Um, you know, with Darius returning recently, you know, from another injury, um, you know, he's mm-hmm. just been snake bitten, unfortunately, this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started with Darius versus Moxley um, and they had a really good match. And then on Rampage, we have the trios, you know, Battle Royal, which was called something ridiculous um, that I'm not going to, you know, be able to remember because, you know, most of the announcers couldn't get the title out. <laughs> It was it was definitely a Tony Khan special where it was way too wordy for no reason whatsoever. Um, but in that match, um, you know, we had Moxley basically, I think he got eliminated or he eliminated himself going after Paige. So then at the end, it ended up being uh, Top Flight versus Claudio. Um, Claudio is like the perfect base for the team um, where they were doing like uh, just a plethora of like double team moves trying to get him out of the ring and it just wasn't working like he was just strong manning both of them uh, um, but yeah tons of oohs and ahs from the audience uh finally they eliminated him so um you know but the crowd was completely invested and like i like i said it got claudia over and it got top top light over at the same time so i was really curious to see what happened here in this match and it was it was a fantastic match the crowd was into it they were on their feet the entire time um it, it felt like Moxley and Claudio were working much more as heels here. Um, you know, that uppercut that Claudio ended the match with was just amazing. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it felt like he owed him money or something. Like, it was fucking ugly. But um, I liked that, you know, the story was that, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club was just getting frustrated with how difficult it was to put, like, Top Flight down. Um, they didn't have an answer for them. Um, like no matter what, like it seemed like Top Flight was, you know, they they had a response for you know every offensive move that you know the, the Combat Club had. So um, it was just a great like matchup of styles that I, I like once again like I felt like it really helped like reestablish Top Flight as an upper tier team. Yes. Um, I could see 2023 being a huge year for them, and hopefully this is like the first step in that direction. I hope so, too, because uh, a lot of the teams just feel like outside of what we've been getting with FTR, the Acclaimed, and Swerve in Our Glory, it just feels like there hasn't been much of a tag team division this year. Uh, well, I feel like part. in the like the last quarter of the year, they've really been focused on the yeah. trio titles, and I, I feel like that's part of the reason. Um where now they really need to like take a step back now that those titles, you know, that division is up and running. They need to go ahead and refocus on the tag division. Cause I mean, (laughs) 
like the the titles were like just kind of stuck in the storyline between you know Swartar Glory and the Acclaim for what like two pay per views. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about good yes. like four months, right? Um, and now what we've got Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal getting a title shot. So um, and we'll talk about that more later. But like after that uh-huh. program's done, because I feel like that's kind of that's hopefully going to be a one and done type deal. Now I hope they can really move forward and maybe teams like top top flight will be getting, you know, you know, title shots. But I agree hundred percent. It does feel like they de-emphasized, you know, the tag division. Uh, after this, we got another backstage moment with good old Orange Cassidy getting, you know, into other people's faces about his title. Uh, Kip Saban wanted a title opportunity uh, and Trent decided, hey, I eliminated you from the thing last week, so I deserve it. I don't think Orange has ever gotten it anyone's face <laughs> yes he, he's he's up there he's being aggressive he's david that's what you're missing here it's all about his body language like how he's just uh-huh. it's how all he's about just the body language. There. <laughs> exactly he's a menace to society uh, yes basically uh trent points out according to kip saban's logic which is he deserves a title shot because he eliminated orange cassidy from the battle royal that Trent should also get a title shot because he eliminated Kip Saban, which Orange is quickly to agree to, and he gives Trent a title shot uh, at this upcoming Rampage. Obviously, just to frustrate Kip Saban. Uh-huh. Uh, after this, Hook um, absolutely destroyed Balaam Lynx, whoever that is. And then after their match, Stokely Hathaway and Big Bill, along with Lee Moriarty, came out to talk some trash. Yes, which brought out Jungle Boy, uh, who was channeling Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He took out uh, some of the firm <laughs> with a two-by-four. Uh, we got a great visual of Hook standing eye-to-eye. Uh, eye. Well, eye to chest uh with Uh big bill uh the crowd once they saw that stare down though they popped huge for that so there's definitely money on the table there uh you know for that match um hook looks like he's gonna actually do a fucking judo throw on big bill yeah Uh, at least they tease it (laughs) um the crowd almost lost their collective shit but then you know bill gets him up in a choke slam and jungle boy has to make the save um, I'm guessing we're going to see a tag match in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised if that mm. doesn't take place in Seattle or the big California show that they've been promoting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the crowd is really into Hook right now uh, and this pairing of him and Jungle Boy. So uh, I don't know, man. It, it seems like Tony's discovered something. You know, he he's, he does a great job of like finding these like pairings that you would never think of, but, you know, making it work. Jungle hook all the way, you know. <laughs> Still workshopping. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously they are too, because we haven't seen a shirt yet, right? But I guess I guess nope, they gotta have a one. match, you know, together, you know, for them to warrant a shirt. But I'm sure we'll be getting one down the pipeline sometime soon. After this, we got a video package of all of Chris Jericho's failings in which Jericho would cut a small promo afterwards about going up against uh, Starks next week in Seattle, saying that he's going to take him out the same way he took out Andretti. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about uh, Jericho setting uh, Andretti on fire last week. That was one of the nope. best <laughs> fireballs I've ever fucking seen. Uh-huh. Like, it legit looked like he, like, set his head on fire. <laughs> and I totally fell for it. I did not see it coming whatsoever. So all of a sudden, like, dude's mm-hmm. head just lit up like a fucking torch. So <laughs> I was like Tony Schiavone in that moment. Uh-huh. 
but yeah, no, I thought it was great. Um, you know, the whole little back and forth between Jericho and Starks last week and this little segment we got with Jericho and Andretti. I'm glad, you know, he came out and made the save for Starks. Um, that both guys are getting some serious follow-up because that was my worry that, mm-hmm. you know, after a great dynamite where Starks really, you know, got over in the loss to, you know, MJF and, you know, this big moment for, you know, action that they would just fall to the wayside because we've seen that happen so often with AEW that these, you know, a lot of these like, you know, upper mid-card guys or these guys on their way to be an upper mid-card guys, you know, end up getting lost in the shuffle. They have these huge moments and then they just disappear from TV for like a month. It actually just recently happened to Starks. You know, he got that big win over Powerhouse and then he disappeared. Now, that likely was due to injury, but they don't bother giving us an injury report. So it just ends up feeling like malpractice booking wise, like, you know, Tony's like stunning these guys development and you know they end up losing momentum with their storylines so i don't know i I just feel like there's a way around that like if it is due to injury like just be upfront about it or make it part of the storyline um and a way Mm -hmm. to like you know keep those wrestlers still you know on the minds of your audience um you know that's the one thing i will give vince credit for like you know in the beginning of randy orton's career he was super injury prone and he kept on getting hurt but vince made sure he was still featured on the show even though he was going to be out for months with a shoulder injury um you know just to keep him fresh in the audience's mind because he knew it was important and he didn't want to waste all the momentum that they just invested in that character so i don't know um but yeah, no, the, you know, all that to say is I felt like this was really well done last week. And I'm glad that obviously they have big plans in place for both Starks and, you know, mm-hmm. Andretti. Uh, later on, we got a backstage moment with Swerve Strickland and his new two henchmen. Apparently, Wheeler Yuta wanted to challenge him to some violence in an upcoming episode. I think it's on uh, Rampage. Yes, uh, this should be a fantastic match. Um Wheeler just came out of nowhere. It was kind of weird, but whatever. I'll take it. I wasn't a huge fan of the segment last week that introduced uh, Swerve's, I guess, faction or henchmen. Um, I'm hoping that they're more henchmen than a faction. Uh, Uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, what's the Brock Lesnar wannabe's name? Parker. Parker Bardo. Yeah, he's super green. Like his offense looks (laughs) just sad. Um, so I don't know. Uh, hopefully this is more of just him acting as like a glorified bodyguard, you know, for Swerve and we don't have to see him in the ring much right now. I don't know the other guy whatsoever. I know he used to be a a baseball player, um, at least in the minor leagues. And, you know, he was actually uh-huh. a high, high drafted baseball player. So like second round or something like that. Um, okay. but, uh, obviously things didn't work out and he turned to wrestling. Um, he's only been wrestling for a couple of years, but that's pretty much all I know about him. Like there, there hasn't been much of a scouting report, like, you know, what he's like in the ring. So, I mean, he looks menacing. I'll give you that. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that segment was pretty much the drizzling shits last week. So, um, I loved everything with Rick Ross, but. I'm sure he got, you know, Tony in trouble by 
you know, drop in an MF. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which I don't know about your uh, feet, but mine wasn't censored whatsoever. They didn't catch it at all. You know, everything was so messy. I wasn't 100%, you know, paying attention to him saying motherfucker at the time until I saw a clip later. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> they ended on a good note. Like, I liked the cinder block, you know, spot. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much all that segment had going for it. So um, I don't even like their logo design. For the fact, I, what's the the name of the group? Mogul something it, it collective. Yeah, I don't know yeah, something like I don't that. Know. I don't know. I think you need to definitely workshop that one a little more. So, uh, but whatever, whatever. I thought Parker was part of the Trustbusters or whatever. Yeah, I was. I, I was like, did the Trustbusters break up? No, Maybe that happened still on Dark. dark. I don't still know. Still on Dark, but apparently they lost Parker. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it's good for them. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> You just don't need to sign everyone, Tony. <laughs> no. God damn it. Uh, especially fucking <sighs> dollar store Brock Lesnar. Oh, God. Like, he was screaming in between every fucking punch. Oh, my uh-huh. God. What the hell? Anyway, we're talking about this week. Let's move on. Uh, up next, we had the trios match. It's our match, what, uh Six, yes, match six out of seven. Uh, this was one of my favorite matches of the series so far. Um, I like that they started backstage. It felt like a real street fight. It was chaotic. The energy and flow to it was very similar to uh, what was the uh, the anarchy in the arena match? Yeah, yes, in the arena, yes, yeah. where there was just so much going on, it was you know hard to keep track of. But I kind of liked that chaos. Um, I don't know. I, I thought this was a really good match. I love the ending where it looked like was it Nick who was in the submission, the packhead in the submission, or was it uh, Matt? I be- I think it was. Wait, no. Yeah. I think it was Matt. It was yeah, definitely Matt. Matt loves selling. So yeah, Matt was in the uh-huh. submission move. Looked like he was about to tap, and then we see Kenny, you know, off in the distance, hitting that uh, a fucking insane one winged angel off a balcony or something. Um. So yeah, a great finish to the match. Um. It feels like they're teasing dissension between Death Triangle. Do you think they end up breaking up at the end of this? Because Pac was definitely pissed off um, at the end of this match. I don't know. They've been doing this for a while. You know, even before this feud started, there was kind of like a little inkling of it. But I I just don't know if they're going to break them up like fully. They've been together for almost three years, right? Like since the start of AEW. So... I mean, maybe it is time to move on. It just sucks that, you know, they just started a trio. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it definitely felt like, like maybe at the end of the series, you know, Pac would be attacking maybe like Phoenix or something like that. And we will see the group like dissolve. So, um, but yeah. And, and that's if, you know, the, the, the elite actually win the series. Because I still feel like they could, you know, throw us a curve and have the elite lose. Mm. After this, we had the Acclaim's big music video, uh, this time destroying Jeff Jarrett's whole life. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was a fucking burial. Like, uh-huh. holy shit. I'm guessing that they got approval for this. There's no way they just went into business for themselves. Like that Kurt Angle line alone uh-huh. is like just signing your own death certificate because you don't <laughs> want to fucking piss off Kurt Angle. Um, I don't man, like they were calling Jared a carny. They were talking about him ripping people off. I think they even said like he's never drawed a dime in the business. 
um, which is a criticism of Jarrett and all his title runs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was fucking, I don't know, this was brutal. So I, I hope, I hope they got, you know, the okay from Jarrett. I can't imagine, them, you know, airing this without like his approval. And it, what cracked me up about it was like, they kept on talking about how old Jarrett was and everything. And they're sitting next to Billy Gunn. Yes. You know? <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Which half of the criticisms that you're, you know, throwing at Jarrett, you could definitely you know, throw guns way too. I mean, except for stealing, you know, Kurt Angle's wife, uh-huh. at least of what we know. Um, but I honestly thought this was one of the best tracks that they've done um, so far. So um, it added a lot of like intrigue, you know, and heat to this match, mm. which didn't exist before, you know, the segment. So, I mean, all the shit with Jay Lethal, I forgot to even mention the shit with Lethal with the dude dressed up like because at first I was like, why is this guy dressed up like Macho, Macho Man? Man yeah. And then I remembered, oh, shit. And he talked about him not drawing as himself and that he's been impersonating people for 20 years and no one's ever going to impersonate him. And that he was the Ring of Honor champion during the worst, like, era of Ring of Honor. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking torching both of them. Jesus. (laughs) Um, But this was the the first week I think we didn't have a Jay Lethal segment, right? I guess, yeah. I I guess this doesn't count, right? Right, this doesn't count. (laughs) So at least that's something. Uh (laughs) I don't have a problem with Jay Lethal, but Jesus Christ. Like I said, he he must have blackmail on Tony or something. You know, I feel like since like the second month after he signed with uh, AEW, like he's been on every single episode of dynamite like he disappeared at first but after that like he's been on every single fucking dynamite <laughs> all the while while like lance archer and Miro are just sitting back in catering mm-hmm. I, the thing is i was hoping that like this little group of his would elevate someone you know like i thought like when that cole guy from the fucking nightmare factory showed up once i was like okay now they'll have someone else to be on television with jay lethal and maybe you know we'll we'll build something else out of this but no it's just lethal every single week and yeah. now with jared and now uh, fucking jared <laughs> <laughs> but if it means we get more fucking rap diss tracks like this uh, i'll take it honestly yeah as long as sunjay dutt isn't the one doing them that was awful. <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, after this, we had the Anna J. Ty Mello match against Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale. Uh, the feud continues, Damon. Uh, keeps going. I guess it's only, what, technically the second match since Ruby's comeback? Yeah, but I was hoping it would be just like a quick revenge tale and then we could move on. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, it feels like they're going to tell the story of like this odd couple pairing between Ruby and Willow and like I could see them losing another match together until they finally get on the same page mm-hmm. and finally like, you know, vanquish and get revenge on Ty and Anna. But I do like the pairing. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just happy that Ruby's on TV again. Uh, after this, Lexi Nair stopped the guns from leaving the arena. Uh, they pretty much just addressed their big win over the FTR. Yeah, this was a weird segment. Like, did they just sh- sh- go to Dynamite to leave? Like, I don't understand. I why. guess <laughs> it was just a way to remind people that, you know, that match happened um, and that's still a story going. Um, 
it's fine, whatever. As long as it ends up with, you know, FTR getting revenge, mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. Speaking of which, FTR did end up dropping the AAA titles this past weekend. Oh, okay. So, uh, so currently, the the only titles they have left are the New Japan ones, which I'm sure yeah. <laughs> also aren't long for this world. Um, so, yeah, it looks like we're going to next time we probably see FTR, they're going to be titleless. So, I, you know, it sounds like that's really like part of the storyline, which is fine. You know, something different. Uh, after that, Ricky Starks had some rebuttals for Chris Jericho, uh, says that he's going to bring it pretty much. Sure. OK. <laughs> this was fine it is what mm-hmm. it is like once again i'm glad like you know he didn't have a match on the show but at least they gave him like a backstage segment you know so he doesn't get lost in the shuffle and they've got when's their match is, uh, is their match is week? next week yes okay this leads to our main event the tnt and ring of honor tv champion samoa joe better known as the king of television defeating wardlow to retain his tnt title yeah when joe's music hit first i was half expecting them to actually introduce a substitute for wardlow mm-hmm. um but that wasn't the case uh we saw you know wardlow limp out uh, with a bunch of like, I guess, medical professionals, you know, or just jobbers dressed up like medical professionals <laughs> chasing after him, uh, taking bumps down the ramp. Uh, Wardlow got in the ring. Uh, they started the match. Wardlow did an okay job of selling his leg. It, it kind of was a mixed bag. Uh, at certain points, it seemed like he kind of forgot about it. Um, I get it. You want to get your shit in, but at the same time, like all of a sudden he's like springing up to the top rope. It's like, okay, <laughs> it is what it is. But I will say in the long run, in his defense, the crowd was into it, you mm-hmm. know, and he, they definitely got the reaction that they wanted because, you know, he was the sympathetic baby face here because it is hard to get sympathy for Wardlow since he's such a beast in the ring. Um, you really need a monster heel like Joe to do that, and that's what happened here. I will say there were a couple moments where I actually thought they were going to stop the match. Uh, during picture-in-picture, picture, uh, they had the doctor actually checking on Wardlow's knee, so I thought maybe we'd come back and, you know, they would have stopped the match. And, you know, maybe that's when Tony, like, introduces, like, a new contender for Joe's belt. Um, you know, not letting him get away with, you know, getting out of the match pretty much um, mm-hmm. after injuring Wardlow. Um, but no, they had, you know, Wardlow ending up getting choked out, um, not be able to overcome the injury, uh, which is a pretty bold choice for your unstoppable like baby face. Um, but I feel like, you know, once again, at the end of the day, they got people invested in this feud, which is all that matters. Now, obviously, with all the hijinks that took place afterwards, they might have been concerned about that being the case (laughs) because we had Joe then all of a sudden pull up fucking scissors and cut Wardlow's hair. (laughs) I mean, talk about adding like insult to injury. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love just monster heel Uh Joe, though. You know, the fact that, you know, it's not all about physicality. Like, he'll do some dastardly shit like this. Like, he'll show up to your house while your wife's home alone. <laughs> Just ask AJ and, like, stalk her. <laughs> um, you know, or he'll cut your fucking, you know, your man bun off. So, I, I don't know. I think Warlow needed a haircut anyway. So, I'm good with this. And this is probably the roundabout way of you know, uh-huh. getting that done. Um 
it did make me wonder if we're going to get like a hair versus hair match um, eventually out of this feud. Um, but regardless, I feel like people are 100% more like invested in like this program now. And they could definitely stretch it out to Revolution, um, which is what, like two and a half months away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially now that we have like this injury angle to play with, you know, Wardlow could not be cleared for, you know, a good month. And, you know, then he all of a sudden like shows up as a surprise and challenges, you know, Joe to match at the pay-per-view. Dude needs to take a break anyway. I mean, that top rope spot was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're a big guy, right? You can yeah. just do some big guy spots. It's fine. He, he's impressive. And I get like when I get your shit in, but it was a little silly for him to do that move uh-huh. with an injured knee. I was like, okay. <laughs> The crowd I understand is you're channeling supposed to, him. <laughs> well, like he's supposed to be Superman, I get it, but at the same time, like sell your fucking leg. If uh. either sell it or don't. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean the fact that they had, you know, Wardlow get choked out of the middle of the ring, I mean, that is ballsy, but mm. I feel like it's gonna pay off in the end. So, you know, good for them. Um, how do you feel about Darby Allen's chances after he came out? I don't you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Darby doesn't walk away with the title. Um, they had a fantastic match. Uh, was it two weeks ago? Did we talk about their match? I don't know if we talked about their match. I think we were kind of short on time, hmm. so we just did highlights or something. Or we talked about news or a lot. Of, there was a lot of news that week. Um, but like it was, it was very similar to the um Darby uh Brody match, mm-hmm. uh where Brody just fucking demolished Darby. Um. Like, obviously, there was a couple hope spots for Darby and everything like that. But Joe was just, you know, that monster once again and just treated Darby like a child who didn't belong in the ring with him. Um, so there's definitely some like meat on the bone for a rematch. Um, I mean, like I said, like there were some hope spots like, you know, Darby did look like he was going to pull it out once or twice during the match. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was pretty much a mauling. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I feel like the Wardlow Joe feud doesn't need the title. So I wouldn't be surprised if like Darby doesn't get like a surprise win, especially with them being in Seattle, you know, his hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe he ends up beating Joe for the belts. Um, and he could drop it to him in a couple weeks, like before Wardlow gets back, and that would work also. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm all for it though. That match was fantastic, so I can't wait to see what they do next. I'd almost want Darby to win just so he can drop it to someone like Ethan Page, you know, no, someone oh. else down the road. Yes, and you know what? That works twofold because Darby and Page have history together. That was like Page's first big feud in AEW. They mm-hmm. you remember they had that huge uh, coffin match. And at the same time, that kind of goes back to, like, Paige's mission statement when he joined the firm, and he was talking about going after, like, gimmick guys. I could see him throwing Darby in that category. So I'd be all for that. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, uh-huh. but, I mean, that's not a bad, <laughs> bad storyline. I just want something for Darby, because I feel like he's been treading water yeah. for the last, like, year. So, I mean, he had a great, like, TNT title run. So, let's see him regain the belt you know tell that story it's fine with me but anyway uh that does it for now uh make sure to join us next week as we talk aw's debut in seattle should be a big show uh, hopefully sting doesn't jump off the space needle you know (laughs) 
Let's hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) He did recently come out and say that he's actually mapped out like his retirement and that Darby is going to be involved somehow. So that does have me a little scared. (laughs) (laughs) I could see them like jumping off of something like really high together, like Thelma Louise style, you know, Mm -hmm. Darby's going (laughs) to legit put him in a coffin. <laughs> uh. No, he did say it, it won't be a singles match though. It, it's going to be a tag match. Oh, okay. So it looks like we're not going to get my predicted like Darby turn on Sting, which is unfortunate. But whatever. But at least maybe the tag title run that they've deserved for the last two years since they're <laughs> undefeated. I think uh-huh. right. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. <laughs> well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms and hey if you're looking for extra content make sure to catch our streams every weekend on twitch plus youtube videos monday through friday want to support the show further you can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing nerd show merch we've got t-shirts hoodies stickers and more and if you post what you bought and tag us on social media we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the united states all right david what are we talking about next week well christian actually next week is our annual year in review show uh, join us as we count down our favorites in TV, film, wrestling, and more. And of course, we'll keep you up to date on anything going on in the world of nerd news. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. And have a happy new year. That's right, happy new year. But how do you know about them? Elementary, my dear Watson. This man has been dead for at least two hours. <laughs>